Father, we are grateful for this evening and just thank you for the opportunity of being able to gather as saints and just would ask that you would give us clarity of mind as we understand these things from your word in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we were talking about abiding. I did want to add this other scripture and we were talking about this as Dan and I were um, talking. And so this feeling at ease. And um, so as the believer is maturing and uh, he's abiding in Christ. And what's interesting is what Paul says over in Paul in my mind. John says in first John two. In verse 17, and the world passes away and the lust thereof, but the one doing the desirous will of God abides forever. And it's really, you know, get a real good feel for that because of the translation. You can really translate it this way. The one um, doing the desirous will of God. I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about this in the, the will of God. But this person who is abiding, they're feeling at ease. They will feel at ease. Really, I would translate that into the age. So what happens? You know how we talked about last week that my parents, we would wait until the last second, right, and clean up. <laughs> Joyce showed me a video, actually, of some kids that had, had done that. And they were much better at it than we did. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And they, they had a system down, right? When they heard somebody said, parents coming. And they all had a system. Boom, 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 Well, we, we didn't, we weren't, we, didn't, we weren't that precise at it. But the idea of abiding is that you, so it, when I am maturing and I am feeling at ease in my position in Christ, um, there's not going to be a disruption that when the rapture comes, I'm just shocked by it. I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing that I would be doing as soon as the rapture comes, Right. I'm feeling at ease, so I'm not having to change things and, and change my position or change what I'm doing. No, you're not going to have time, but here's the thing. You're going to feel right at ease, right, into the age. There's just no, it's, you're feeling at ease uh, right up to the edge of the rapture. Nothing's going to change that, right, and, and um, even if it, it possibly could. And so... Abiding is a consistent thing that you see with someone who is maturing. Is they're feeling at ease. They're not got this ragged thing going on where you kind of herky-jerky motion. You ever seen a car? I did a horrible thing one time at FedEx. Yes, I did. Jeanette looks shocked. Let me tell you what it was. Never, Jeanette, drive... (laughs) A diesel car and put regular gasoline in it. <laughs> Never do that. It doesn't end well. Let me tell you what happens when you do that. Is the car starts doing like this. <laughs> right? And before you know it, the next thing you know is you're stranded on the side of the highway, which is what happened. And that's the Christian life of a lot of believers. It's herky-jerky. And they're not at ease in who they are in their position in Christ. And so when you're maturing, there, there is a characteristic that the believer is feeling at ease in who he is in Christ. And it's a settled thing in their mind. And, you know, that's the hardest thing for believers to get to is believers have a hard time. We are so connected to this life and the life that we were born into. And a lot of people don't want to let it go. And they're not really grasping who we are in Christ and what God has done and what he has provided. And, and so it's, a, it's a, a big deal. So feeling at ease into the age. I like the way Pastor Dave illustrated this, and he said it's like um, 
uh, uh, bride being ushered down the aisle, right? And so you're being ushered down the aisle, and, and there is an ease that as you, you uh, go into the age, it's, it's, not, it's not this herky-jerky thing. There's an ease in which you're just flowing from one step or one situation right into another. And so it's a big thing, uh, abiding. And remember, back in John 15, um, the gauntlet is laid down that the one abiding in him produces not just fruit, but much fruit. Where's that fruit coming from? The fruit of the Spirit, right? God's life is seen out in that believer in greater and greater degree. And so <clears throat> if I'm not abiding, remember, he, he um, connects to abiding the ability to do things. He says, apart from me, you do not have the ability to do one thing. So just think about that now. There's a lot of believers that don't even know what that even means, abiding. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me, oh, I always thought abiding. They told me it was you were doing different works and stuff. And that's what their idea about it was. So if you don't understand that, how can you ever do and accomplish those things that God wants you to accomplish? So there's a lot of busy work going on, a lot of people doing a lot of things, but it's totally disconnected from the source of power, and they don't have the ability to actually do what God wants them to do. But, you know, I don't know. God will, God will sort it out. He's the one that's going to sort it out. And I'm glad it's him and not me. But, you know, we, we do a lot of things. And I, and I just think the Bema Seat Judgment is going to be a huge time because there's a lot of things we do in this body. You know, who knows the source of it? You know, I think about it when people die. Their time for doing their works in this body is over. All they're waiting for now is to have those works evaluated at the Bema Seat Judgment. And so um, I like what Paul says, we are desirously eager to do that which is well-pleasing to him because it's necessary that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so it's just an interesting thing when you think about it. The last thing we want to look at and then we'll take the test is hindrances to maturity can halt the maturation of a believer. The age is a significant culprit, and we looked at that last week. And uh, one of the other things we see is law is a hindrance to believers. Look at Galatians 5 and 1, 4. So I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Uh, living by law. And again, I, I look at these, and you don't see it a lot in your English translation, but there's a lot of um, what we call anarthrous uses of the word phenomos, which is law. So you have um, a lot of the articular usages most of the time point back to, if it's not an article or previous reference, it points back to the Mosaic Law. So none of us, we're, we're comfortable, we're pretty comfortable, most of us, that we, we don't live under the Mosaic Law, right? And most people would not say that they live by the Mosaic Law. You'll, you'll find some people and believers that would. But here's the problem. You and I come up with our own rules. You can see it when you talk to people. They have put themselves and boxed themselves in because of rules they've come up with for themselves, right? And they may not even tell anybody about what those rules are, but they judge themselves by that standard. Now, why do I say that? Because he uses the nomos, which is the word law, without an article here. It's the unauthorized use of law. 
And so notice what he says in Galatians, the fifth chapter. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ is profit you nothing, shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you who are justified by law. And so here you have, it's, it's translated by the law, but really it's uh, a, uh, an author's use. You can actually translate it by law. So if you put yourself under any quality of law, then what you're saying is that the work Christ did is of no effect. I don't think people really have an appreciation for that. And so they say, whoa, I got to do something. And you have guys out there preaching from the pulpit who are telling people, you've got to do something if you're saved. I was listening to a guy yesterday, and I won't mention his name, but he talked about the fact that you need to repent first, and then you'll be saved, and then believe the gospel. He clearly said that, but repent first and then believe the gospel, and you can be saved. And then you have someone even take that over into present in salvation and say that you have to continue to do. If you put yourself under any quality of law, Christ has become of no effect to you whatsoever. And notice what he says. You have fallen from grace. Let me give you another scripture that's really a little stronger in Galatians chapter 2. It's just interesting in verse chapter 2. And notice in verse 20. Uh, 18, Paul says, if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. For though, excuse me, I through law, uh, and again, there's uh, in 19, you see this uh, anothrous use of law. I through law am dead to a law that I might live unto God. For I am crucified together with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Uh, excuse me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me. And you see the two sides of it. I'm crucified together with Christ. That's, Paul said, that's how I see myself. I've died to get, I was baptized together with him. I died together with him. I'm buried together with him. I'm crucified together with Christ. That's the identity that you and I have as believers today. And notice the other side of it. He says, Yet, nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. We have not sang that song in a long time. We probably should sing that. Christ liveth in me. And the fact of Christ, the life of the Son, being manifested out in this human body. That's the goal. That's the challenge. That people would be able to see that life in, on display. Now notice, and the life that I live which, uh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And verse, verse 21 is where we wanted to go. I do not frustrate. And that word frustrate is to set aside or to displace um, as though it was not of any value. You set it aside like it's nothing. I do not frustrate or set aside the grace from God. For if righteousness came by law, inequality of law, if you could obtain righteousness by doing something and saying to God, look at how good I am. Look at what I've done for you. Then Christ died without a point. He died for nothing. 
And so here you see this. And so that word in vain uh, is that Christ died in, in vain or he died without a point. Um, and so notice he says here, um, uh, that Christ is dead in vain. And so this idea of, of uh, law is a hindrance. And the fact of, okay, it's, it's easy to say I'm not under the Mosaic law or I'm not going by uh, the Ten Commandments, though you see a lot of people say that. Now, it's interesting to me how many people say if we could just have the Ten Commandments put back up in the courthouse, America would be better. You can put the Ten Commandments back up in the courthouse and people's sin natures will still be out of control. What you don't know is the people's sin natures were out of control even when the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments were up in the courthouse. They just weren't displaying it openly like they're doing today. They did it behind the scenes, you see. The law, it's not going to change the, the fallen nature of man. And so people believe that, that that's not the case. Factual knowledge, of, um, philosophy and traditions can hinder uh, the spiritual maturity. And then you have carnality. It's the most significant impediment to maturity. And you see that as we saw it in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Now let's just gather uh, over there again. Uh, just as a close to this, Hebrews chapter 5. And so what was happening to these believers and uh, these Jewish believers, they were wanting to go back under law. And at some one point, you can see in chapter 10, and even in 6, in some other areas, they were maturing. They were growing. And what happened? They put themselves back under law to justify themselves by law. And they became carnal. And so it happens. The moment that you're trying to justify yourself to other people, which we know as Galatianism, or to God, as legal, you're already justified. You're already justified. Who do you have to prove yourself to? I like Pastor Dave when he was here. He was talking about Galatianism, I think, a few years back in the conference, right? And all of these people, who were they trying to prove themselves to? The church is so full of people trying to prove themselves to somebody. Look at how righteous I am by what I do. And they're, they're, they're preoccupied with it. And so uh, are they're trying to prove themselves something to God. Well, you don't have to prove anything. God's already done the work. I think Don continues to say that, right, in the messages that you've been preaching. God has already done the work, and the believer just has to live in lieu of what has already been provided for you and I. These believers, you see it in Galatians 5, I mean, excuse me, Hebrews 5, went away from that. So you can see, again, uh, let's go back to 10 and then we'll flip back to 5. I wanted to show you that there was a point in time when they were, uh, you can see that they were spiritual and they were growing. And look at what happened in chapter 10 and verse 32. But remember, call to remember the former days in which you were illuminated. Um, And so there was this point where they were growing and they they had some illumination. And you endured a great fight of afflictions. And and, uh, notice verse 33, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them who were so used for you had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the sporting of your goods, uh, knowing in yourselves that, you ev- that in heaven you have a better and more enduring substance. 
And so they had a lot of pressures that they were going through, but they were able to make it through it because they were, they were spiritual. They were experiencing some maturity. And notice, um, even in the sixth chapter, notice these are not believers. There's no question but that these are believers that he's talking to here. Notice in verse 10 of chapter 6, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, of love, uh, work and labor from love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you minister and do uh, to the saints and do minister. So these were believers, and at some one point in time they were growing. And uh, you could see it, I mean, <laughs> with believers today. You can get to the point where you start riding high and you say, well, I got this. And before you know it, you're off in Never Never Land. And so this is what happened. And notice in the uh, 11th verse of the 5th chapter of Hebrews, uh, he's talking about Melchizedek. And he says, of whom we have many things to say uh, and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. You have become, notice uh, here you have an, um, uh, a perfect, that you have become dull of hearing. And so at a point in time, they became dull of hearing. Even at the time that he's writing to them, they still had this attitude of this dull of hearing. They can't receive any new information. So you can't blame it all the, all the time on the pastor. Sometimes the pastor can preach a dynamic message, but you have to be in the right place as well, right? It's a two-way street. The Holy Spirit can use the pastor, and you can say, well, that pastor just preached a bad message today. Well, maybe you were not in the right mindset to really receive it. And so it happens. And notice he says, you become dull of hearing for when, uh, for the time you ought to be teachers. Um, you were under, really, that word ought is, you're under a moral obligation. It's only right that where you are at, you should be teaching others. And I think every believer should be able to teach other believers about how to have victory in the Christian life. That is not unreasonable to expect. Every single believer should be able to do that. And he says, if you're at a time where you ought to teach others, you have need that someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the little bitty elements of the oracles of God. And you become as need of having milk and not strong meat. Now imagine a grown man needing to be put on the bottle again. Now wouldn't you think that that's kind of crazy? You would think that that's not nuts. But spiritually, nobody thinks anything about it. You see grown believers running around who've been believers for years and talking baby talk. I really have stopped listening to the radio. My wife used to ask me, why would I listen to some of these preachers on the radio? I can't take it anymore. I honestly cannot take it anymore. It's gotten that bad. It's horrible. And a lot of it is just baby talk. <laughs> it's just baby talk. And like Dr. Schaefer used to say a lot, sermonettes for Christianettes. And that's kind of what, what you have going on in many instances. It's really sad. Um, and so you have someone teaching you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have become misneed of having milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is skillful in the word, unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. And we talked about it before that babes, babes are not used in scripture in the New Testament in a good way. I would not refer to myself as a baby Christian if I were you. I don't see one instance where baby Christian is used in a positive sense. It's really used negatively. And he says, but strong meat belongs to them that are maturing, 
who by reason of use have exercised, um, and so this, uh, they have exercised really the, um, it's interesting that this word exercise, we get our word from gymnastics from it, but notice this in a perfect tense because I think that it's looking at the process of maturing. So there is a starting over here of the exercising of the mind, right? And there is a continuation of this exercising of the faculties of the mind. There's a continuation of it. There is an attitude, there's an a, uh, atmosphere where the believer is continually doing this. And notice the product of it. They've, they've exercised their, what, the senses is really, I would translate to the faculties of their minds, uh, our perception of their minds. And you, you realize in church today and in a lot of places, sadly, you can go and you can hear a lot of teaching and you're not stirred one bit. You're not really having to think through or to use this part of your mind to be able to come to any discernment about anything. <laughs> They've exercised the faculties of their minds to discern good um, and evil. And it's interesting. So make the distinctions. And I, and I like to say, you know, one of the things that you see is, is the ability to make distinctions, to distinguish this from that. And here he says, good, that, w- that which is good, or um, kalos, from that which is lacking in character. And I do, somebody asked me the last time we talked about it, I do think it's a general sense here uh, as to what he's talking about, that they're making these consistent distinctions between what's good and what's uh, what evil, is kakos, is what's lacking in character. And so you see this maturation. And so in conclusion, you say the believers have a lot of decisions to make in living the Christian life. Many of those decisions will involve one's relationship to other believers. Recognizing the state of another believer is very important. By recognizing the condition of a believer, a maturing saint can thereby understand the admonition from Scripture concerning how to relate to saints in various stages. The purpose of relating to troubled believers in this way is to aid the believer to become all that God has for the believer to be. And a maturing believer is able to do that. He's able to see the whole scope of what's going on. He's able to see where other believers are. He's able to see where he is. He's able to see what God says about how he should be growing where other believers should be. Sadly, a lot of believers, they... Have, they're either going in and out of this, they're spiritual for a little bit, they become carnal, they never get to this stage to where they're maturing consistently. And so it's a problem because of the fact that uh, uh, there's a lot of things that the maturing believer has been provided that a lot of believers never really have an appreciation for what God has provided. When we looked at the various mysteries that has been provided for the maturing believer, things that God has provided for those that are loving him, and many times it's not really ever, it's not really obtained. And so I hope that you got something out of this class and understand the difference between one who is spiritual and one who is maturing. Maturing is that next step up, and we all should be growing, and we all should be there. And I hope that you understand how you can get there and what the hindrances are. So we have our test, and I did post it online for you that are online, and you can download it and take the test. And so we can take a few minutes to take that, and then we'll go over the answers. So I'll give you time online. Those who have the test online, you can download it and take it. 
and then you guys can take it here, and we'll come back in 10 minutes. A, a believer matures by D, using experiential knowledge uh, gained while spiritual. And that's important. So we talked about the different knowledges. You have oider, you have gnosko, and then you have uh, epigonosko. So you have oider knowledge, and so as you put those, that oider knowledge to use, you gain experiential knowledge. That's where the maturation process starts. And then you take that into epigonosko, where there's full experiential knowledge, where you're seeing all different sides of it. And one of the best ways to show that, a good illustration of that, is that, as I told you, when we worked for FedEx and Scott will know this, when you go to FedEx, um, school, they give you a lot of information, just a lot of information, right? And you don't even know what this information is. Dan, you know this right, from UPS too, right? Then you get on the road, and now you take that information and you say, oh, that's what they meant when they said that. We didn't get that level of it yeah. as drivers. We only got it as managers. You guys got it as drivers, Yeah. all that. Yeah. But your point is well taken. But then after a few years, and you've done it for a few years, you've seen all different ways of how this works, right? So many different ways that you can actually do the same thing. And you understand it. Your understanding of it deepens. Anyway, uh, number two, which one of these is seen in Scripture as spiritually mature? David, Abraham, Moses, or none of the above? The above. Yeah, D. Did you say David? <laughs> what did you say? What was your answer, Don? I, I said nobody. Oh, I thought you said, oh, that, that wasn't your coffee answer, was it? <laughs> okay. Oh, that's the next one. A maturing believer craves A, milk of the word, B, sweet things of the word, C, strong meat of the word, D, vegetables, or E, coffee. <laughs> no, which one of those? Which one is it? C? C, strong meat of the word. Strong meat of the word, yes. Coffee should not be there. <laughs> For babes are seen in Scripture as A, having command of the ABCs of the Christian life, B, as dull of hearing, C, capable of eating meat, D, new Christians. <laughs> no, that's not on there. <laughs> yeah, it's a B. Okay. B, dull of hearing. Um, and again, and I, I say it again because it, you hear it all the time, that babes are seen, and you hear people say, I am a babe in Christ. Please do not identify yourself as a babe in Christ. It's not a good look. <laughs> it is not a good look. <laughs> B, five, what uh, scripture is essential for a believer's maturation? A, Hebrews 5.14, B, John 14.20, um, C, Revelation 12.10, and uh, D, John 3.3. You know, this is actually, you could say John... Which one? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting... Yeah, but we're talking about maturation. <laughs> yeah, we're talking more specifically. Now, if you would have said B, then that would be more, right? I mean, because you could actually use B, 
which is what for John fourteen twenty is what anybody remember yeah. outside of Dan and and that's, Don what that's it is? what that's what we did that's yeah. your three relationships right. two of which are frequently emphasized right right John fourteen twenty yeah yeah it could be either I would if you said so a, right? B could be right too I agree with you well, <laughs> is right. no it's A or B oh, okay. C and D no. <laughs> Um, true or false? Circle the uh, true or false for each statement. Learning the facts of Scripture is the key to maturity. Yeah, false. Number two, a believer who has been saved for 20 years or more is mature. False. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> right. You just put it in, put it in, uh, in cruise control, right? <laughs> Three, it takes a few years to mature. False. You can start maturing from the time that you, you believe. There's no stopping you from maturing. And I think that is a misconception in the church is that there's a time frame you have to go through before you reach maturation. It's not true. I wonder sometimes if people actually start maturing and then they come to church and we teach them how to be carnal. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a little cynical on that, but because why do I say that? Because we start getting them busy. Mm. We want to direct them into doing something. And then all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> they're done. <laughs> verse three, I mean, um, number uh, four, verse three, patience is a fruit of the spirit. True or false? False. Patience is, is something that you um, gain by, um, by um, afflictions or persecution, pressures. Five, mysteries are for any believer. That's false. First Corinthians 2, mysteries are written, written specifically for those who are maturing. Number six, all believers mature at the same pace. That is False. So really, I always say to people that this Christian life is a race of one. You're not comparing yourself to me, you see. And I'm not comparing myself to you. It's your relationship with uh, uh, and, and how you're relating to the Holy Spirit. And so I might be on a different level of maturation than you. And so what happens is people start comparing themselves to other people. Um, and, and then you can get a false concept of that in a lot of ways. Notice uh, verse 7, he said, I mean, I keep saying verse, <laughs> use of verses. Uh, number 7, forgetting the things that are behind was significant, significant to Paul's maturation or maturity. That's true. Remember, you know, he gives his pedigree and whatsoever things he says were, uh, to my account, I count them as dung. Number eight, maturing saints don't have to consider the weaker brother. Yeah, I mean, if you're maturing, you're going to give a consideration to a, b a believer who is um, not understanding the truth of how to operate in certain situations. You're not going to go over and have somebody over to your house and you do something that you know would stumble them. I would hope you wouldn't. I don't think that someone who's maturing would do that. Um, Number nine, sacrifices under law salve the conscience of the offerer. False, you know, remember in uh, Hebrews, I think it's nine, that the sacrifices could not 
um, um, affect the conscience of the one who was doing the offering. Uh, Number 10, a sign of maturity in a believer is the exercising of the faculties of the mind. True. Okay, fill in the blank. In each sentence below, copy a term from the word uh, bank that correctly completes the sentence. Blank is evil done for one's own benefit. uh, Number two, pressures are described in scripture as? True. As tribulation. Number three, imputing oneself into the blank of Christ is the key to spirituality. The de- death. And I was stuttering there. The de- death. <laughs> Number four, blank are works that are done that are seen as beautiful as performed. Kelos. You know, this is a really interesting word, and the more you study it, the more you just really have an appreciation that as we do good works, and those works, as they're operated by the Holy Spirit or directed by the Holy Spirit, originating from First Agathos, what you see on the outside is what the behavior of people and the beautifulness of how it looks in appearance. And it's, and it's interesting. You ought to do a word study of this. And you see that these words, this Kalos word is connected a lot with sight words. It's something you can see on the outside. A good example is Matthew 5.16. When God told Israel, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. There's the word there, orao, there's a gazing. They could see this with mental discernment of thought as they saw these works. And uh, interesting enough that that was used, um, if I'm not mistaken, over in Hebrews 5.14 of one who is maturing. Uh, So anyway, I digress. Number five, the believer who has blank knowledge is able to understand God's will. Epigonosco. Number six, Christ blank is the hope of glory. Christ in you. Number six, seven, engaging in works of the flesh proves a believer is carnal. Number eight, Paul desired to obtain the blank from the dead. The resurrection, and I would say out from among dead ones. And, I, and I, he's not talking about the rapture. I think he's talking about in present and salvation that he wants to live out from among those who were spiritually dead. Number nine, maturing believers, uh, mature believers are to blank the feeble-minded. Number ten, a maturing believer is able to adjust a believer in a fault. Number eleven, one who has to be, one has to be (laughs) blanked by grace. Empowered by grace in order to mature. Number 12, the blank ministry of Christ is key to the believer's maturity or maturation, high priestly. Number 13, blank is oida knowledge put into practice, Gnosko. Number 14, Paul encouraged the believer in the book of Hebrews to be blank on to maturity, born. And number 15, blank is by itself is insufficient for spiritual maturity, oida. 